All right, take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5 is part of the Sermon on the Mount, contains the Beatitudes and some other things. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read some verses toward the beginning and then some verses right toward the very end. Matthew chapter 5, let's all stand together if you would. As soon as you find Matthew 5, we're going to read verses 13 through 16 and then 43 through 48. And verse 13 says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is hid, uh, set on a, on a hill cannot be hid, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now skip all the way over to, to, uh, in the same chapter to verse 43. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask your blessings upon your word this morning as it goes forth. We ask God that our, our hearts would be open and our ears would be attuned to the Spirit of God as he ministers the Word of God to, to us as individuals. Uh, Father, we pray that, that uh, you'd help us to see the responsibilities that those of us who have trusted Christ as Savior have to this old sinful world. It's easy for us to look around and see the, see the slippage. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of slippage going on. Things are going in the wrong direction. They're going in the wrong direction extremely quickly, and not just in America, but all over the world. That just tells us, Lord, that your coming is getting closer and closer, and it's probably a whole lot closer than what we even realize. And yet, Lord, uh, we're still here, and we're here for a reason, because we have some responsibilities to fulfill. There's some things, Lord, that we can do in this old world that nobody else can do. Unsaved people cannot respond to the world's needs the way that we can respond to the world's needs. So, Lord, uh, get our attention this morning. Uh, help us, Lord, to see... Uh, once again, what, what are we responsible to do and what are we responsible to be before you in this old wicked world? And uh, Lord, we'll, as you speak to our hearts, uh, our heart's desire and our heart's prayer this morning is that we will respond to you and pick up those responsibilities and run with them so that we can put a smile on your face. Bless this time. We pray in your word, speak to our hearts, please, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. 
You know, I don't, don't need to tell you that the world is a needy place right now. Uh, things are going fast. I was talking with someone here just this last week, and we, we both came to the conclusion, not just in America, but really all over the world, things are just going in a, in a downward direction. And uh, if, if you were to ask individuals uh, out in the world, just, you know, just Joe Citizen of whatever country, if you were to ask them, what do you think are the greatest needs that we have in this world today? You get a myriad of answers. And, and most of the answers would be based upon what, what, uh, what they perceive uh, to be as needs. Uh, for instance, you'd have, obviously you'd have somebody say, well, it's the environment. You know, we need to save the earth because it's, 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 uh, we're going to ruin it. Uh, uh, someone else would say, no, it's equality. Somebody else would say, oh, no, we just need peace. You know, I've been hearing that ever since I was a kid. I was brought up in the 60s, and uh, that's when this thing became popular. Don't do that, okay? Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. You're not going to get peace without Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, uh, you know, you just aren't. You just aren't. And uh, so, uh, you know, I've, I've been hearing that now for, for low 60, 70 years about peace, peace, and when there is no peace. And uh, uh, somebody else will say, well, it's acceptance. Another person will say, well, we need tolerance. Uh, what, what is it that the world really needs? Not what, the, not what is the perceived needs, but what are the genuine needs that God sees that this world needs to have fulfilled? And, and to go even, even further, maybe a little bit more pinpointed, what, what does your world need? And when I say your world, I'm talking about people around you, it's your job, people around you in your family, people around you in your neighborhood, in your social circles, uh, at your school, uh, whatever it might be, uh, what do people in this world need? We're going to take a look at three things that the Lord Jesus Christ in his Sermon on the Mount uh, made very, very specific that, that people need and that only as Christians can we fulfill those needs? Uh, lost people cannot do the things that we're going to look at this morning because they're lost. If you're here this morning and you don't know for sure that if you were to die that you would go to heaven to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not absolutely positive that your sins are forgiven and that you're on your way to heaven. The Bible says you need to, you need to come to a, a realization that you're lost without him, that, that uh, there's no way that you can go to heaven without Jesus Christ. You need to realize you're, that you're, you're a sinner, that because of that sin, you deserve to die and go to hell for all eternity. That's, that's really, that's true of everyone in this sanctuary this morning. The truth of the matter is there's two groups of people here. There's sinners that have been forgiven and there's sinners that have not yet been forgiven. Uh, there's sinners that are saved. There's sinners that are not yet saved. That doesn't mean you can't get saved. You can. You can trust Jesus Christ as your Savior today. Uh, but, but there needs to be a definite, a definite turning where a person ceases to, to, to trust what they've trusted before, has nothing to do with your works, anything that you can do, and you need to turn totally to Jesus Christ 
and trust his death, his burial, his resurrection. Trust what he did for you on the cross and turn your back on sin. Turn to Jesus Christ and, and trust him as Savior. And when you do that, the Bible says that you'll be saved. Uh, you cry out to him for mercy, ask him to forgive your sins and give you eternal life and he'll do just that. Christians, saved people, are the ones that can deliver these three needs that Jesus said that the world needs. And the first one is found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. Look with me down at verse 13. It says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. He says, we're the salt of the earth. I like that because I like salt. I, I'm, I'm one of those, I, I'm a saltaholic, I, I must admit, I am. Uh, as a kid, one of the things I used to love to do on Saturday mornings, and I wasn't saved, uh, I used to sit in front of the TV set, watch Saturday morning cartoons, and eat a box of Mr. Salty Pretzels. I had the right name, Mr. Salty, and it was. And then when I got to the bottom of the box, or bottom of the bag, you know, uh, there's always that little pile of salt down there. <sighs> lick, lick my finger and, oh, I'm telling you, I'm a, I'm telling you, I'm a saltaholic. Yesterday, I was getting my, uh, my egg ready. I was frying an egg, and I've got, uh, I've, I'm a condiment, you know, I'm a condiment kook. Uh, I like condiments. And uh, so we've got this, my wife bought me this uh, everything bagel seasoning. Oh, man, I'll tell you what, it, it's good stuff. And uh, so I, 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 t I was down to the bottom of the seasoning, and I didn't realize it. I didn't, you know, I didn't put anything together. I didn't think it was very salty before, but, and it said that it had a lot of salt in it. Well, when you get down to the bottom, it's mostly salt and very little everything bagel seasoning. And so I took it like I always did uh, up until that day and, and uh, went like this on my egg. And a ton of salt just came. I like salt, but I don't like that much salt, okay? There was a lot of salt. But the uh, Bible says that we are the salt of the earth. And there's some things that salt does. For instance, number one, salt heals uh, back in your Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 2, we won't turn there, but 21 and 22, Elisha healed the waters of Jericho, and he did it with salt. Uh, salt. Salt cleanses. Salt heals. But sometimes salt hurts. Uh, for instance, you've heard the, the term salt on a wound. Well, the salt's good for the wound, but man, it stings when it hits. Uh, and and that's, that's part of it. Sometimes you have to go through a little pain in order to get healed. In, in the Old Testament, you look at those Old Testament prophets who went to Israel when it got out of line with, uh, with God, and they were salt. I mean, they were salty, uh, but they stung. Uh, they, they, they were brutally honest uh, with Israel and with the, with the Jewish people telling them that, you know, that, that uh, they were in sin. I was just reading just, uh, you know, just the other day about Jeremiah. And uh, one of the priests took Jeremiah, and Jeremiah said, you know, that, that God was going to chasten Israel. He slapped him, slapped him, threw him in stocks. 
uh, and, and uh, bound him for a while. He was mad at him. He didn't, he didn't like the message. It's kind of like today. Uh, you know, people don't want to hear the negative message. Well, uh, sometimes you need a negative message. Sometimes you need to know where you've gone wrong so you can get that thing right. And, and uh, that's part of what salt does. Salt heals. Another thing salt does is salt, it preserves. It preserves. It, it's uh, back in the Old Testament, it was used on raw meat. Uh, down in Brazil, Joel tells me that they use a lot of salt, not only in preserving meat, but also in cooking meat. And uh, uh, it would stop the meat from spoiling. It would be, it was a, a retardant, so to speak, from, from spoilage. And Christians are to stop sin from, from spreading. Uh, we're supposed to point out sin uh, where, it's, where it's present and, and be, be, the, be the purity uh, that this old world needs in order to, to uh, keep it from sin. Uh, you know, you ever thought of this? That when, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back to get his own, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, talks about the, the uh, uh, it doesn't use the term here, but it's used elsewhere in that book, the blessed hope. When the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, all those that are saved on the earth at the time are going to be gone. You know what that means? That means all the salt is gone. All the salt. You know what salt is for? It's, it's, it's a deterrent. It's a, it's a preservative. You get rid of the preservative, this old world's going to rock quicker than you've ever seen it before. And, and that's exactly what's going to happen. Another thing that salt is for is that it, it makes the unsavory savory. It adds flavor to whatever you add it to. Um, I, you know, almost, almost I, I, I heard a story. I don't know if it's a true story or not, but uh, it's supposedly J.C. Penney, when, before he uh, would hire someone for a particular position in his company, he would take him out to lunch and he would observe him and see whether or not he ate and tasted his food first or if he salted it first. And if he salted it first, he, he figured he was quick to judge, okay, and, uh, and, and wouldn't hire him. Well, I wouldn't get hired by J.C. Penney because most of the time that's exactly what I do. Uh, but the Bible says in Colossians 4, verse 5, says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Um, you know, what, what would the world be without saved people who speak up, saved people who are living for God? And that's what it's speaking of when it says, if the salt loses savor. If the salt loses savor, it's not good for anything. In other words, it doesn't have that distinction anymore. And as Christians, we're to be distinctly different. Uh, we we are, are to be contrary to what the rest of the world is. And by the way, that contrast is becoming, uh, if, you, if, you're just, if you're, you're just an average Joe Christian, you're going to start sticking out more and more and more. I heard someone make a comment years ago, the, the darker the, the night, the brighter the light shines. Well, that's actually very, very true. And uh, uh, as, as things continue to, to darken, uh, your light has an opportunity to shine even brighter. 
but it makes the unsavory savory. Uh, you know, you want to be a part of the solution in this world. You want to be a part of the solution in America. Uh, you don't want to be a part of the problem. Uh, we're, go we're going downhill. We're going into the sewer quicker than you can, than you can blink an eye as a, as a nation. Don't be part of the problem. Don't lose your savor as a Christian. Don't lose your saltiness. Uh, be different. Be distinct. Live for God. And, and then the, the last thing that it does is it makes, it makes people thirsty. It makes people thirsty. Uh, there are, there, there's a trick that I've heard that a lot of uh, restaurants use. Uh, restaurants that uh, have high prices on, on, uh, on beverages, whether they be alcoholic or non-alcoholic, and, uh, and they, they put a little extra salt in their food. That way the people get a little thirsty and they order more to drink and uh, in order to quench their thirst. Well, salt's supposed to do that. Salt's supposed to make others thirsty. You know, our life ought to make other people thirsty for God. Do people look at you and say, boy, I wish I had what they had. Boy, they're a joyful person. Well, I wish I had a smile on my face as often as they have on their face. Do, do people see the difference? Do they see the fact that, that you are not like the rest of the world? Uh, we need to be distinctly different. We need to have that savor. We need to be that salt in this world. And, and people need to see the difference in us. Uh, you know, it, it should be such that they look at you and say, and say, you know, I wish I had the peace that they have. I wish I had control over my anger like she's got. I wish I, wish, uh, I had, uh, I had uh, 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 a temperate spirit like he has. I, I wish I had a, a loving heart like, like they have. Um, I, I wish I had the kind of joy. Boy, I hardly ever hear them complain. You get accused of that? Unfortunately, we often don't get accused of that because we're, we, we oftentimes just blend right into the rest of the world. God says, no, I don't want you to be like the rest of the world. The world needs you to be different. I think one of the reasons why sometimes our our, our corporate testimony uh, as Christians are, is not as effective as it ought to be is because we've lost our savor. We've just lost our savor. Um, in this message that Jesus preached, he began the message in the beginning of, of uh, uh, Matthew chapter 5, and he explained, without using the word, but it's, it's obvious because it just kind of all runs together, uh, he explained the savor that, we're, that we ought to have. Uh, verses 2 through 10, look with me in verse 2 of uh, Matthew 5. It says, you know, open his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. 
Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the, the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." Um, he said, he, and, and then he drops, you just drop right down to verse 13. It says, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewithal shall it be salted? What's the savor? Those eight things that he mentioned in the beginning of the chapter. He said, we need to be poor in spirit. In other words, we need to have a humble heart. We need to mourn. Things ought to bother us. Sin ought to bother us whether it be in ourselves or it be in someone else, it ought, it, 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 not to be critical. doesn't say, blessed are they that criticize. It says, blessed are they that mourn. In other words, you see where our country's uh, going, and it puts a tear in your eye. It, it, it weighs heavy on your heart. The uh, Bible says, blessed are the meek. We need to have meekness. That's part of our savor. That's giving up our personal, um, our personal rights for God and for others. Um, meekness is it's impossible to have a servant's heart without having meekness. Uh, the next thing is, is the desire to do and to be right, to hunger and thirst after righteousness, uh, to be merciful, to, be, to have a pure heart, to have the right motive, uh, to be peacemakers uh, rather, than, rather than causing strife and division, uh, be a be a healing bomb. Uh, and then the last thing is, and that's B-A-L-M, by the way, not B-O-M-B, okay? But uh, the last thing is to, to stand for right and do so at any cost. If, if I have to take a stand at, at work and, and lose my job, okay, I guess I'm going to have to stand, take a stand at work and lose my job. If I have to take a stand uh, with a friend and lose a friend, well, I'm willing to do that because I don't want to lose my savor. Those things in the beginning of chapter 5 are the savor that he's talking about, about the salt. As salt, we, we need to be healing, we need to be preserving, we need to be, be uh, savory, and we need to make other folks thirsty. You know, people look at you and say, I wish I had what that family has. I wish I had what that individual has. And so we're, we're supposed to be salt because the world needs salt. Another thing that the world needs, look down in verses 14 through 16. Same chapter, chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is, that is set on a hill, on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a, a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. The Bible says not only should we be salt, but we should be light. Why? Because the world needs light. Listen, folks, if you don't shine your light, this world isn't going to get it. In other words, around in your sphere of influence, if you're not light, then that, it's just naturally going to default into the dark mode. That's just the way it works. What is light? What does light do? Well, it shines in the darkness. Keep your finger here and go to, go to John chapter 1. 
Go to John 1. John chapter 1, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, look down in verse verse 5. John chapter 1 and verse 5. It says, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The Bible says that light is supposed to shine in darkness. Don't complain about the darkness, and we do that. I do that. I do that way too much. I complain about the darkness rather than shine in the darkness. You know what the darkness needs? The darkness needs light. Be light everywhere you go. Be light. Uh, the, The only thing necessary, someone said years ago, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Well, do something. But be light. Be light. Pass out a track. Uh, give uh, people the gospel. And, and again, you and I know this, and we've said this. I've said this from the pulpit. I've said it. Others have said it over and over and over again. Uh, politics is not the answer. Government is not the answer. Christianity is the answer. And we have lost Christianity in America. We've lost it. I mean, it's, 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 it has a less of an influence than it's ever had. You know why? Because when we had opportunities to shine, we didn't. And we need to shine. We need to be the light that this world needs. The world desperately needs light. And and don't expect them to understand it. Uh, You know, one of the problems I think as Christians that we have, we, we not only want to be the light, but we also want to get acceptance. That's a big thing today. Oh, everybody needs to accept everybody. No, you don't. We ought to be different. We ought to be different. And, and uh, uh, this, this idea of I need to be accepted by everybody. Listen, if you want to be accepted by everybody, you'll never let your light shine. You'll turn that thing right off. Because the Bible even tells us that uh, the, the darkness comprehended it not. You don't expect them to understand where you're coming from. You just do what you're supposed to do. Be light. Stand for right. Make sure your life is pure. Make sure your life is clean before God. But don't expect the unsaved people, don't expect the world to, uh, to accept it or understand it. Uh, even you say, yeah, but, but you don't understand, preacher. These people are conservative you know what? You can be a real, real good conservative and die and go to hell for all eternity. Conservatism is not going to save America. Christianity is going to save America. Bible believers are going to save America. That's the only, that's the only salvation that this, that this nation has. And, and uh, go, to, go to John chapter 3. Look at this. John three nineteen. John chapter 3 and verse 19 and 20. John 3, 19 says, And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the, the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. 
Light isn't appreciated. Don't expect people to love when you do right. They're not. Uh, you know, uh, you, I, I remember I, I worked at, at a uh, place called Polyclean Laundry when I was in Bible college. And uh, one of the things that I had to do every night was to clean up the place, and part of cleaning up the place was emptying the trash. And we had some, some receptacles that uh, were white trash cans with uh, the, the, the hinged door on the, on the front, and, uh, but that was just a covering. It was over the top of a uh, container that was inside that was, which is where the, the plastic bags were, were for getting the garbage. And I, I'd always have to, to move those things in order to take the, take the thing, the, the top off and take out the bag and so forth. And invariably, almost every time I did, when I did that, I'd tip it a little bit, the light would hit underneath and guess what would happen? Yeah, about five or six cockroaches just go, you know, everywhere. Uh, I honestly, up until that point, I'm not so sure I ever saw a cockroach in my life. I saw a bunch of them that year. Uh, every time the light hit those things, they scattered. You know, that's what happens when you shine your light. People will scatter. If you're looking for acceptance, you're not going to get the acceptance. But that's what they need. You don't give them what they want, you give them what they need. Now, obviously, with, a, with the right kind of heart and so forth, and that's what we talked about before with the salt and the savor and having that sa those savory characteristics. But, uh, but understand that if we, listen, if we don't tell people how to get saved, if we don't show what a righteous Christian acts like, where are they going to get it? They're not going to get it anywhere else. You know, honestly, and this is one of the, one of the big revelations I've had recently, the, the conservative people are just as wicked as the liberal ones. As far as their personal lives go, there's all kinds of stuff going on behind the scenes. You know what they need to see? They need to see some light in a life. They need to see some joy. They need to see some peace. They need to see some truth. They need to see somebody who really cares, who doesn't just care because they can get something from them. They need, to, they need to see real light. Christians are the only light. Go back to Matthew chapter 5. And look in verse 14. It says, ye are the light of the world. You're it. Without you, there is no. And again, when the, when the blessed hope when, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and we get taken up and the rapture takes place, guess what, folks? The light's gone. We're gone. I mean, this place is going to be in total darkness, but it's not right now. But you got to turn your switch on. You know, it's not enough to be the flashlight. you got to turn the light on. You got to make sure the batteries are charged. You got to make sure that, that everything's set and ready to go. Uh, we need to be the light of the world. And it's, you know, in, in Mark chapter 4 and verse 21, he says two things. He says, don't put your light under a bushel and don't put your light uh, uh, under a bed. In other words, don't let commercialism, don't let, don't let money and that kind of stuff, that's a bushel. 
Uh, don't let that put out your light, and don't let laziness put out your light. Both of those things are enemies of letting our light shine. And, and he said, instead, put your light on a candlestick, on a candlestick. Uh, you go to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 20, and it says that the candlestick was the local church. Where, where do we need to be during Sunday school hour? We need to be here because the doors are open. Where do we need to be when uh, it's Sunday night service tonight? I, I'm looking at, at some faces tonight. You have no intention of coming here tonight. None. During the meeting, you'll hear Brother King probably on Sunday morning, and that's it. Listen, our light's got to shine, and where it shines the best is when we're involved in a local church. Local church. Uh, I learned that lesson real, real early in my Christian life, and I'm thankful for it. But, but if you want your light to shine, you've got to do it on purpose. Uh, are, you, are you outspoken for Jesus Christ? I mean, we can be, we can be outspoken. I mean, we get our trigger tripped on all kinds of subjects. How about the Lord Jesus? How about salvation? How about the Bible? How about holy living? Does that, does, does that, that thing cause your light to shine? So the, Jesus said, listen, the world, the world needs salt, and you're the salt of the world. The world needs light. You're the light of the world. There's one more thing they said that it needed. Look down in, verse, in chapter 5, look down in verse 43. It says, you have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love the, thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. And if ye salute your brethren only, what do, more, uh, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans the same. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. The last thing that he said that the world needs is it needs somebody to love them. And don't wait for them to love you back. Don't wait for them to love you first. Anybody can love a lovely person. How about somebody who's hard to love? How about somebody who doesn't want your love? How about somebody who uh, doesn't love anybody? And there is an increasing number of those kind of folks. Well, they love somebody. They only love themselves, a lot of them. But uh, that, that number is increasing in this world. It is so important that folks see that we love them. The world needs to be loved. And, you know, again, the Bible says that uh, friendship with the world is enmity with God. So in other words, we're, we're not to be friendly with worldliness, okay? But the world as a group of people, we're supposed to love anybody that God puts us in contact with. I, for me, I've really been getting a blessing out of the book of Jonah, uh, studying it on Wednesday nights. And one of the reasons why 
is because I finally, after, after doing just, a, and I haven't done a lot of research, just a little research, um, realized just what kind of a struggle Jonah had when he was told to go to Nineveh and, and, and preach the fact that judgment was coming. Now, he knew about God. He, he knew God. And he knew who God was. He knew God was merciful. He knew God was patient. He knew God was kind. He knew God was forgiving. And he knew if those people took it seriously, if he did his job right, he would take it seriously. If they took the message seriously, they'd repent. He didn't want them to repent. They were Assyrian people. He had watched the Assyrians kill Jewish people. He watched the Assyrians, or if he didn't watch it, he at least knew about the fact that Assyrians had tortured children, tortured adults. He hated those people. He hated them. They weren't lovable people. But you know what? They needed somebody to care. Now, I'm not so sure Jonah cared even when he went and gave the, gave the message but he at least did what he was told to do. You know what this old world needs? This old world needs somebody to care for him. And again, not, not just the pretty people, but the, the ones that are unlovely, the ones that, that really nobody wants to love. And, and, I, and I realize, you know, the Bible says, you, you take a stand for God and, and the world will become your enemy. I understand that. But then he also says, love your enemies. Love your enemies. How do you do that? Look in, look in verse, uh, oh, let's see, Matthew, Matthew 5, verse 44. It says, but I say unto you, love your enemies. How do you love your enemies? Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Three practical things you can do for anybody you meet any time of the day. You can, you can bless them. In other words, uh, say good things about them where you can. You know, I, I love this illustration about a guy who went on a blind date, and he was, he was afraid of what he was going to get hooked up with. And sure enough, he got hooked up with a real winner. And uh, she, was, she, was, she was bigger than a barn door, and she was, she was uh, uh, not very pretty, she wasn't very, she wasn't delicate by any stretch of the imagination. And he was told, he was coached before he went on a date. Now, whatever you do, make sure you compliment this gal. Well, he's going, he's on the whole date. She's, she's insociable. She's not kind. Uh, he doesn't know what in the world to say. Finally, he walks her to the door and gets ready to drop her off. And he says, listen, he says, I just wanted to let you know one thing I appreciate about you. She says, really, what? She says, for a fat girl, you just don't really sweat too much. <laughs> well, sometimes, sometimes that's the best you can do, okay? Sometimes that's as good as you can get. Uh, but you know what? You can always, you can, you, there's always something good you can say about them, okay? There's always something that you can bless them for. They, there's, always, there's always some good you can do for them. Always some good you can do. See, yeah, but they don't, they've never done anything good to me. Hasn't God been gracious to you? Hasn't God been merciful to you? He certainly has been merciful to me. God wants us to do good to them, and then he wants us to pray for them. 
That's how you practically love people that aren't very lovable. But God says, listen, the world needs to be loved. People out there, listen, um, we, we've been doing this for years. We've been, we've been uh, in, encouraging our folks to bring kids to church, not just your children, but other people's children. And right now, we've, we're a little bit lower on, the, on that supply chain. We just really haven't had, had, had a lot of opportunities. But, but uh, in the past, we have. And when we have... Uh, one of the things that I've, I've told you, and this is true, we've had, we've had hundreds of kids from outside families come through this church. In some cases, and I don't say this to brag on us because it's not us, it's just what the condition of the world is out there. In some cases, we love them more than their own family does. We love them better than their own family does. In some cases, we're the... In some cases, we've been the only people that really care for them and love them. You know what that tells me? It tells me there's a need out there. There's a need out there. And we have the privilege of being able to fulfill it. You know, are, are you aggressively loving the ones that are unlovely? Three, three needs that the world has. And all those needs are fulfilled in you and I. It needs salt. Have you got savor? Do people see a difference? Do people want to have what you have? Light. Uh, are you light in your neighborhood? Are you light with those that you work with? Are you light with those that you socialize with? Are you light with those that you see and meet in public? Do they, again, do they see the difference? And then last of all, are you the love that they so desperately need? Yeah, I know there's a lot of people that are unlovely out there, but we have the capability because we're saved. Because God loved us. Let, let's face it, folks. God loved us when we were unlovely. God loved us in all of our sin and all of our filth, and yet he still, he still uh, uh put his arms open to us and said, if you'll, if you'll trust in me, if you'll believe in me, I'll forgive you all your sin and give you eternal life. He loved us when we were in our worst possible state. That's exactly what the world needs. The world needs folks to love them, to be light, to be salt. Is that you or is that me? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, this morning we're just reminded of what our responsibilities are in this old wicked world. And it's, it's, it's real easy to get wrapped up in everyday stuff. It's real easy to forget why we're still here. Uh, Lord, we're not still here just so we can make a living. We're not still here so we can go about our daily tasks we're still here because we're light. We're still here because we're salt. We're still here because we're love. And Lord, if we don't love them, and if we're not the salt and we're not the light that we're supposed to be, they're not going to get any at all. What a responsibility we have. 
Lord, this, this morning, may be, we be reminded of our responsibilities and determined to do something with our lives because we're light, because we're salt, because we can love folks like nobody else can because we got the love of Jesus Christ on the inside of our hearts. God, speak to our hearts this morning. Maybe we fumbled the ball in some or maybe even all those areas. God, help us to make a determination, make some decisions this morning to be the light, to be the love, and to be the salt that you've called us to be. There might be someone here this morning who does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. If they were to die today, they don't know for sure if they die, they, they go to heaven or not. They need to get that thing settled. I pray that they would just simply walk forward and come, come see me in the front of the, front of the, the uh, church this morning and just say, preacher, I need to be saved. Well, if somebody take the word of God, take them into another room here in the building and just show them from the scriptures how they can have their sins absolutely, completely, totally taken away and forgiven by a loving God. Lord, uh, help us to be the salt. Help us to be the light. Help us to be the love that this world desperately needs. Work in our, our hearts and in this invitation, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.